of the gates and ready to go on this edition of Hot Mike with Hutton and Withrow. I know you're accustomed to hearing a different voice during this time, but here's what great teams will do. We're here. This is how they operate. When someone's down, you pick them up. That way, when you're down, they will pick you up. So Jonathan Hutton on a bit of a voice rest as my computer goes off right there, and that really did sound good. Um, Jonathan Hutton on a, a slight voice rest. I'll be leading us in and out of breaks today. If Hutton's voice cracks at any point, we're not allowed to make fun of him. Oh, wait, I think there's an over-under. There's um, one right there. Yeah, I mean, that's look, it, it's fine. Um, you have gone through puberty. Can confirm. So if it happens, it's because of the voice issues and nothing Maybe else. Twice. So we can't, uh, we cannot, uh, cannot make fun. We got a great show today, regardless. Um, been over at it's SEC packed. Media Days in Nashville. A lot going on. Uh, at SEC Media Days, we've got Mississippi State head coach Zach Arnett coming up a little bit later. Tony Barnhart, Mr. College Football himself. Our very own Trey Wallace at, uh, th- at 4.05 Eastern. Gary Danielson, a legendary broadcaster with CBS that's been doing SEC Games of the Week. Should we say hated? For many years. Hated? A divisive Gary Danielson. I think he's hated in some corners. I don't know if he's hated. That, I, I think but that's not a, all. That's a bit too far. Maybe, I don't know, just... I may, Hutton, ask him about uh, being hated and whether or not he hears the noise coming up. And I I think he's going to have a good uh, answer for that. Michael McHenry always has great answers. We'll talk Major League Baseball with him coming up in about 18, 19 minutes. So, terrific show for you today. Looking forward to all these interviews uh, that we've conducted over at SEC Media Days. Big story of the day, though, Hutton, Kirby Smart. Had his time at the podium at SEC Media Days, and um, I, I don't think any big surprise. Did a good job of deflecting away from a lot of off-field issues, culture problems, question mark, at Georgia with uh, the super speeding violations, with sexual assault, where they've demanded a retraction from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution on it. And Kirby Smart did a good job of, uh, of of coming out of the gates and deciding not to say much of anything. Well, I I think I do think the guy cares. I I think there is something to be said though about you know the national pundits jumping on versus you know the the insulated college town, right? If he's not back to back national championship winning head coach Kirby Smart. He's feeling more pressure about doing something about the culture of the program, right? And I think that's kind of the mantra he's he's brought to Nashville and SEC Media Days is he's, you know, he's he's pitching the program and he's saying the right things in a very uh, rehearsed manner, but also not facing a ton of questions about it at the same time. It, it, everyone's on a timetable, and as long as you're the coach that spends a lot of time with your opening address. You can take up a lot of that time before you answer a bunch of questions from the 300, 400 plus in the room, which you were, Chad. And how long did it take to actually get to the question well, about the, so, the, the street racing? Look, I mean, I, I, I get the drill, right? These guys, they come in, they want to talk about what they want to talk about. So Kirby Smart opened talking about his summer vacation, that they had planned to go to the Amalfi Coast, and instead he was a travel baseball dad for a month, and that he went and watched his son play in Mississippi and kind of made a joke about wanted to be on the Amalfi Coast, but instead I'm in Mississippi, but loved every second of it and discussed his entire summer break. Um, got into the team's leadership study that they got into this year with the New Zealand All Blacks, the, the rugby team, as the most successful winning percentage team in the world. So they're researching them on how to not be complacent. 
So we got into a lot of things that's going on that wasn't what anyone wanted to talk about. And here's also what you get at SEC Media Days. The first three questions came from Go Dogs, Black and Red, Bulldog, Bite You.com. Some analyst from there, analyst, I say in, in air quotes, um, that, you know, hey, uh, talk about the addition of this guy and what happened with it. So the first three questions were just, you know, sucking up to, to Kirby Smart. Then Pat Forty. Well, they may have already asked questions regarding this, too, having been and had access to Kirby Smart, Yeah, Pat, unlike rest, uh, the well, rest of the group. they haven't because they had a private uh, media session before that did not get out where they met privately with some select local media about some of the I see. allegations. Pat Forty of Sports Illustrated spoke, um, and then he asked the question about the tragedy and then all of the, the super-speeding violations. Kirby Smart's answer to that was I thought he did a good job. He was like, look, it, it's a problem. And he said, in fact, it's been an issue since we got there at Georgia. Yeah. And he said, there's not been any more recently. It's been a problem throughout. And he said, first and foremost, I'm concerned about the safety of my players. And when you're going over 100 mile per hour, miles per hour, your safety is in jeopardy. So I'm trying to stress to them about being safer. And he also said, you know, anytime I've been in a car over 100 miles per hour, I was probably 18 to 20 years old. So it's about cutting out that, that part, that desire of what they want to do with the speeding. Um, didn't get into the Atlanta Journal-Constitution part of it while I was there. But I, I watch all this, Hutton, and I think, yeah, I see why Kirby Smart's such a good recruiter. He's a good talker. I mean, he can get up there and convince you of a lot of things, and he can say a lot of words but it's not really answering a lot of the questions, but he does so in an intelligent way. Well, and they have results now. I can see how the guy's really good in the living room when I watch him on the podium at SEC Media Days. That's not a knock at him. That's a compliment. I can see why the dude recruits so well. Well, and, and not just recruits well, but now the program speaks for itself on the field. What did he say about the quarterback battle? Did he address that? Replacing Stetson Bennett? No, I, I, not while I was there. I've not read the entire transcript, but uh, I, I watched up until the point where he was asked about the super speed. Yeah, Bama violations. and Georgia replacing quarterbacks, and I haven't heard much about that this week so far. That's yeah, a massive story. I'm going to get into that um, a little bit later with, with Tony Barnhart on the show and, and with Gary Danielson because it's a big question mark, and it goes to show just how dominant those programs are that no one seems to be overly concerned about placing, uh, replacing a campus legend in Stetson Bennett and then replacing the number one prospect in America coming out of high school and then eventually the number one overall pick in the NFL draft and Bryce Young at Alabama. So we'll talk about that a little bit later. Chad, the, the NFL in, uh, in general, not worried about replacing their top running backs, their top stars, except for a handful of teams that divvy out money and while the franchise tag is roughly what ten million, ten point one or two million dollars, somewhere this year. between ten and eleven million. Yeah, it's it's the low tens, but it's still double digits for the position. It's nowhere near what the top guys are getting paid, and the top guys are under the franchise tag based on the structure of rookie contracts, first round picks. Saquon Barkley, Josh Jacobs, and Tony Pollard in yesterday's deadline without a contract extension, meaning. If they play this year, they're under the franchise tag. Pollard has signed it. And beyond that... The other two have not. The other guys are claiming they're going to sit out. They're going to the, sit out. The top backs in the league, Chad, are coming to the defense 
of those on social saying that, well, this makes a ton of sense because you're just not going to get paid. You're going to get franchise tagged, and then you move on after year seven to the next first-round pick if you are a run-based offense like we will see in New York, like we will see with the Raiders, and like Dallas has always been. Yeah, Derrick Henry, Austin Eckler you're seeing right now, Christian McCaffrey, uh, Austin Eckler says this is the kind of trash that has artificially devalued one of the most important positions in the game. Everyone knows it's tough to win without a top running back, and yet they act like we are discardable widgets. I support any running back doing whatever it takes to get his bag. Here's where I'm going to be a big old wet blanket on this big running back party on social media. First off, nice job Matt Miller really firing up Derrick Henry and running backs across the league. Cry me a freaking river about making between 10 and $11 million under the franchise tag. I am sorry, but give me a break. You are acting like you are being uh, just criminalized in some way. I don't even know if that's a word. I may have just made it up. Because you act like, oh, because they're devaluing the running back. You are making generational wealth if you play your position well the way this thing is set up, regardless. Are you making as much as the top wide receivers? No. Are you making as much as the top quarterbacks? No. It's because the league values those positions more right now. I think Saquon Barkley said, well, it is what it is. It's kind of, I think that was his tweet on, and not on everything. A deal done. And the Giants tried to do that. But like Josh Jacobs is not breaking the bank with generational wealth on his rookie deal. He, a four-year deal for $11 million total is what he got to be with the Raiders. And he outperformed that. Yeah, well, he also has got a chance to sign a piece of paper for doubling that. Right. For one year. <laughs> so, look, I'm not going to sit and cry a pity party for guys that are, are set to make $21 million over the course of five years. But not, that's, not the, that's not the longevity of the position at all, five years. It's less than three. Well, And that's those that produce do it at a very high level, and those that don't, get replaced, not just year by year, but game by game. The guys that we're talking about, though, that are crying, all have opportunities for generational wealth. All of them. No, they don't. Uh, Saquon does because he's number two pick. Generational wealth is not four years for $11 million and then you play on the tag or you sit out for 10 That That's not it. But generational wealth would be what Chris Johnson received. C- generational wealth would be what we saw uh, 10 years ago in the NFL compared to now at the position. And it's what A.J. Brown is getting now. It's not what we're seeing across 32 teams. There are a handful of teams, though, that invest in running backs. And that's the problem with the position. There's not enough to drive up the price and actually negotiate against anyone. Yeah, it's, um, you know, go back and be a receiver. I mean, I, I don't know. Like, I just don't well, know what to tell them because this, I, this is I where we are in the forward, league right now. We will see more of that, though. The, well, the, the look, top the, players guys, in high school played either quarterback yeah. or running back, and I'm not sure players are going to sign up to play running back. You didn't want to play corner. You wanted to be a wide receiver or running back, and, and I, that's changing because corners are getting paid more and running back is declining because they're going to use three or four specialized guys uh, where Henry is the second highest paid player this year at the position, and he's not on the field on third down. I would just be running to sign that franchise tag if, if I were these guys right now. Oh, they should. I've said that. I mean, because- I mean that's, that, that's where I don't, I, I don't feel sorry for them. We're talking about the guys who had the opportunity to be franchise tag for a lot of money right. for one year. 
Um, look, I understand that. I think someone, I forget the tweet, one of the running backs that all chimed in on Matt Miller's had a very good point about, you know, you play three years, you get good enough to get the option, you know, for the other one. Then you play, you you, you deliver, and suddenly, you know, you're, uh, you're, seem, you're deemed worthy of one more year, and then they're done with you. And they're, they're moving on next. Then you draft again, right? And, and doing that. That's Matt Miller, in fact, brought that up about drafting a running back. Here's the formula yeah. for teams right now about what they're doing. Um, Which is why you would draft in the first round yeah, to like have this I, right. I understand that, that level of frustration from the guys from that perspective. If you're drafted after the first round, you, you don't get tagged. So, and, and, you know, for the last several years, though, it's been why waste a first round pick on a running back? Yep. Well, this is why. Because if you make it to the second round, you don't necessarily get to pick where you're going there. But you do in four years, unlike Josh well, Jacobs. Well, it, it, it it's now changing from the teams that value running back <clears throat> that would sign them to a long-term deal, yeah. similar to the Titans with Derrick Henry, you know, sign them to a, to a contract. McCaffrey, it's going from that to you could value running back and just draft a first-round running back every four or five years. And then be done with it. And, and you discard that running back the moment the four or five years is up. Highest paid right now this year, McCaffrey at 16, Kamara at 15, Henry at 12 and a half, and then Nick Chubb at 12.2. Then there's a big drop-off. Dalvin Cook was scheduled to make a little over $10 million. He's going to count 14. And he's still on the open market because no one's going to sign him to near the contract that I'm sure the pay cut would have included to stay in Minnesota. So Hutton, Dak Prescott has now um, got a turnover guarantee where he's promising to go below a certain number because interceptions were the problem last year for the Cowboys offensively. Oh, it could have been a lot worse, too, because he only played in 12 games. Yeah. He had 15 picks in 12 games. That led the NFL for starting quarterbacks, all quarterbacks. And Chaddy now says he's gonna, he guarantees it's going to be less than 10. And I, you know, I'm thinking to myself, well, um, I guess that means Tony Pollard's going to get the ball a lot out of the backfield. That also, I mean, is there a game guarantee by Prescott? Because he missed five because of a broken hand or a thumb. I think Jerry Jones would like the game guarantee. Oh, hey, can you Jones stay healthy? has been taking shots at him. Yeah. Can you stay healthy for the entire season and not throw a bunch of picks? He's either great you, you or have, he's awful. You have set yourself up. Look, I, I like it. If you're that confident in it, that go ahead and put that, that bar out there that I'm not going to go over 10 interceptions this year. Yeah. But you have set yourself up for a lot of jokes and a lot of hate the moment you throw that 11th pick on the year when you say this in the preseason. And, you know, you got McCarthy calling plays now. You know, that new, new OC. But the, the change needs to be with just some really bad throws from Prescott last year in some key moments. And it led to, you know, him leading the league even though he missed five games. That's tough to do. Think about the and rookie they, quarterbacks. They've got a good team. The backups that come in. Yeah, they do. Around them, they've got a talented. very, very talented team. And they still won 12 games. Tony Pollard, who we're just talking about with the running back, he's the one who signed the, the franchise tender. That, that's going to be a big part of it. Chad, your favorite interview today was with who? Um, Gary Danielson, I think. Gary Danielson, someone we've all seen, on, seen and heard on television for years now with that SEC game of the week. Um, a lot of fun talking with him. In the final season uh, of the SEC on CBS, uh, Gary's going to join us in about two hours, I believe. Yep. 
uh, here on the show. Uh, really interested in Zach. But Arnett, you know, they're all like the my Bulldogs. children. When, yeah, when, no. when you have an interview, Hutton, it's tough to pick a favorite. Chad crushed it today. So I had the opportunity they're all, to go get they're some, all my favorite. I had the opportunity to go get roided up some steroids. So yep. uh, Chad took care of business. Today. Hutton's got a great steroid guy. Whoever whoever do. the doctor is that Hutton can go to for steroids I, quickly there, when he has allergy issues, there I, was, uh, everyone should know that doctor. I think there it was this contract two or three we had where I I like I volunteered to do the HDH to see what yeah. would happen. I think that you went to Mark McGuire's doctor for this yeah. and Barry Bonds. I only got the cream in the clear. Yes, instead Barry gave you the wreck on this doctor here in, in Nashville. What was the Bonds guy's name from Florida? Tony, something like that. Yeah, Michael uh, McHenry. I, joins us it'll come to me when we come back john smoltz says otani to the yankees means they're the world series favorite we'll start there we're back hot mike with hutton and withrow across the outkick network live from our sixth and peabody studios downtown nashville old smoky moonshine and Yeehaw Beer. Coming up one hour from now, Mississippi State head coach Zach Arnett will join the show with SEC Media Days going on right in our backyard here in Nashville, Tennessee. Not in our backyard, but we would invite him to our backyard anytime. He wishes he were. Nice barbecue, a picnic, whatever it may be, is Michael McHenry because, let's face it, he's a member of the family by this time. Yep. And uh, we're talking Major League Baseball with him. Pirates television crew, the fort is on with us now. How we doing, Fort? I'm doing well, and I'd like a nice picnic, guys. Any, uh, I anytime think, uh, you want to invite me to a nice picnic, what what would you feature on that charcuterie? In the dishes, I guess. The this trend of the girl dinner, you know, girls' dinner, where you just basically snack the entire time. Um, you know, that charcuterie nice. board. Uh, that that would be nice for the picnic. Or Chad's been doing this every day for his entire life. We could make it a snacking. Little, yeah, that's, that's what I, I, I like. I do like to snack. <laughs> Or we can make it a slightly more masculine and grill or barbecue and just lay out a blanket afterward and eat the the meat we grill in picnic form, whichever you prefer. I feel like we should be maybe no blanket with the masculinity. Yeah. Make sure that, you know, maybe we do have a dinosaur blanket. I don't know. Michael, a little little strange. During a game, during your playing days in the league, what were you most likely to sneak behind into the clubhouse and and grab to eat uh, from the training table? Man, that's a really good call. Probably banana. You know, have you ever seen that? Uh, there, there's a former Blue Jays player who said, monkeys never cramp. So he would always eat bananas. Yeah. He said, monkey never cramp. So I'd always go grab a banana or anything that was available, honestly. But there were some there were some places where, you know, Milwaukee Brewers, until they went on their health kick, they had nacho cheese. It, I'm not a big nacho cheese fan, but for some reason, I think they put some type of uh, maybe drug or something in there that was just, if you took one, you could not stop. <laughs> So you go in and honestly, I heard Jack Wilson say this and I did the same thing is you go in, you get a little cheese, a little chip. And if you don't get a hit, you go back for another one until you get that hit. So you kind of just play that game inside your mind. Did you ever slam a hot dog in between innings? I feel like th- those would be readily available in the ballpark and just decide I, I, I need a little I did protein do an ice cream sandwich though. I did Ooh, do ice cream sandwich on a hot day. On a that hot sounds... day. And my mom used to make me these cookies and I swear to you every time she sent the cookies over mail. I got two or three hits the next day. So I called them my two hit cookies. So I was desperate. I mean, absolutely desperate. So I ran in, I grabbed an ice cream cookie sandwich and I just hammered the thing. I think I was sick after the game, but I did get a hit and I was very happy. Love it. So Fort, 
John Smoltz has said that if the Yankees could trade for Shohei Otani, that they would be the World Series favorite. Here are the Yankees right now currently dead last in the AL East. Obviously, Otani's going to make a huge difference for whoever lands him. He's having the best season in the history of Major League Baseball right now. What do you think about the yeah. prospects of Otani and whether or not he's going to get dealt and what that could mean for the Yankees if they were able to pull that off? If that were true, the Angels would have not had a losing season every year since 2018. That's a good point. That's the reality. I mean, you got to look at it for what it is. Yes, he does make any team he goes to better. He's a great teammate. But you think about the Yankees, they're in turmoil. I mean, they just hired the mayor who's from here, who's an incredible human being. He's a guy that can really maybe help them out. And, and who I'm talking about, Sean Case, if you don't know, this guy can really bring out the best in every person he's around. And they're trying to fix that entire offense. So bringing him in, I don't know if that's going to help or hurt him. I mean, that's the reality they're in now. Maybe it looks a little bit different two, three weeks from now, right before that trade deadline. But I would be scared to bring him in because you're going to literally give up the entire farm system and maybe not be able to sign him. I believe LA is going to be the front runner moving forward. Maybe you have the Mets, but you look at the Dodgers, they're really set up to bring in Otani. Maybe they trade for him and then have a deal on the table already set. But yeah, this guy is dynamic. He can change a team in a heartbeat, but you are giving up a lot to go get him and being in last place and really, in my opinion, really a far stretch away from even making the playoffs and thinking that one guy, which has never happened in baseball, one guy's never changed the outcome of a team, maybe CC Sabathia with the Milwaukee Brewers, but they still didn't win the World Series. So Bryce Harper has not played defense in over 450 days for the Phillies. And now he's going to play defense and he's going to play first base, a position he's rarely played. This sounds really difficult to me, Michael. Uh, what, what, what do you think about the prospects of Bryce Harper at first? I'm not going to put anything past him. The guy's been good just about everything he's done. He's kind of fallen off a little bit in the outfield, but you look at the time it's taken. You know, he started this during his rehab stint, you know, kind of fiddling around with it, trying to figure out where does he fit best. He's taking ground balls at second base. He's trying to find a place he can best help the team. And we've talked before, guys, when you sign a guy to a long-term deal, this is the advantage you get. You can move them around the diamond. They're not chasing money. They're not chasing a contract. They're there. And a guy like Bryce Harper, who's really grown up over the last couple of years, he was a guy that maybe wasn't liked as much in the league. Now guys respect him. They want to play with him. They want to go to Philadelphia because they see the heart and soul he puts into that team. So I think he's going to figure it out. I think he's going to figure it out quick. I think they're going to have a huge problem when their first baseman comes back and, and Hoskins, that, that may be an issue because I think Bryce Harper may be a better first baseman than he is an outfielder. I mean, he's not been a plus outfielder for the last couple of years, really struggled, had some kind of floppy times where he's gone one direction, the ball's the other. So I think this could be a really good fit for him for the long term. Can you try to put in perspective the pressure he felt coming into the league and how you know he's lived up to those expectations and then some, which is, is very rare? Absolutely. You can kind of put it in, in, in context in today's game because you're seeing so many young guys in the league. I mean, the Pirates just now had 26, 24-year-olds in their lineup last night. I mean, that's how young the league is getting. With Bryce Harper, I mean, you're talking about a 17-year-old national player of the year. He did things that are have never been done and may never be done again when it comes to going to junior college, hitting with a wooden bat, hitting 35 homers, and then getting into pro ball and flying through the system. At 19 years old, he's making his debut, and he does it well. Not, not good. He does it well, and he just continues to get better. He's always had that pressure. 
he's maybe in my opinion, the LeBron James type hype in baseball. We haven't had that very often at a very young age. I mean, you're talking about when this kid was 12 years old, he's hitting balls, 480, 500 feet, making a name for himself on sports illustrated and he's handled it well. But a lot of times with that, it comes maybe a little bit of an attitude, a little bit of pushback, but ever since he had a child, he's completely flip-flopped. He's been a different human being. He's a great teammate. He's kind of speaks out for baseball in the MLBPA, which is absolutely huge. A guy like him to be able to do that. I mean, he gave his shoes away at the airport. I mean, that kind of tells you what type of human being he is now. So the Cardinals look like they're in position to be sellers at the trade deadline. But John Mazeliak, their top executive, is saying, I don't foresee us trying to get the guys to waive their no-trade clause that are the stars of this team. That's Paul Goldschmidt and Nolan Arenado. Um, But he also said, you know, but you never say never on what the offer could be because they want to load up on arms. They want pitching at this trade deadline. What do you think about the Cardinals' position they're in right now, Michael? And you look at that franchise. They've had so much success. Do you treat this as a one-year blip and you don't sell your stars right now and try to rebuild – and just treat it as such and say, this is more fluke than anything else. We're going to sit strong and come back next year and try to be better. This was a long time coming. I mean, you look at Garcia, you look at Zach Gallion, you look at uh, the outfielder, left fielder, Rosarena Jr., or Rosarena, excuse me, and in Tampa Bay, all three guys that played on the same team in the Cardinal system, all traded away. So you kind of look at, the trades in the past, this was a long time coming. Those are three guys that started in the all-star game, remind you. And two of them are in the home run derby. One's probably going to be the NL Cy Young award winner. So it's three guys. It's not all the guys they traded away, but those guys were all coming up together in the Carlton system. They're not there now. So it's kind of a long time coming because you get rid of that talent that's so, so, so good in the minor leagues to get what you need at the top. Eventually, it's going to catch up to you, especially if you have a lot of money tied up, a lot of guys with no trade clauses. Obviously, the corners are absolutely outstanding for the Cardinals, but they need to be honest. This fan base deserves it. I mean, if they're going to try to trade off some of these guys or ask Nolan or ask Goldie to do something that maybe is unorthodox, hey, would you be willing to go to L.A.? Would you be willing to do this? Just be up front. I mean, Nolan's already said it. Goldie's already said it. It's out in the open. These guys know where they're at. It's going to be an absolute miracle for them to even make a wild card. There's a very good division that's growing rapidly in the central. So he should be out front, honest, and transparent of what they're trying to do. They need so much pitching right now. They've got a lot of guys that continue to get hurt. They have a lot of young guys that have not maybe come to life yet. They've got to figure it out because this division is going to be very, very good for a long time. When you look at Cincinnati, the Cubs are on the rise, the Pirates are on the rise, and then you can never, ever, ever count out Milwaukee and what they could be in the next couple of years, even though they're probably the best team right now in the division even with Cincinnati on top. Do you think Mets owner Steve Cohen has it in him to be a seller at any point in his life, given what he's done with that team so far? And should they sell at the trade deadline with the Mets? I think they're a team that can flip their team completely by being a seller. So I think he's looking at it from all angles, and he's got to look at it as a seller. I mean, if you sell off some of these guys, you've signed to big contracts, even those medium size contracts you have a lot of really really good players he's already designated some players that were under contract for five six ten million dollars so instead of maybe designating these guys and trying to pull them back and then trade them you just trade them you, you get rid of them and you take whatever you can you rebolster underneath 
And that gives you an opportunity whether to hold on to those players, develop them and try to get them to the big leagues or have the opportunity to kind of rework it and send those guys out to get what you need in the off season. That's, that's what he's got to look at. Obviously you're not going to catch up to the Braves. Miami's looking absolutely outstanding in Philadelphia traditionally is a second half team. And I'm telling you right now with Bryce Harper moving to first, that's going to bolster a fan base. That's going to bring excitement because you're going to see him on the field consistently. And that's a big deal because I guarantee you the power numbers start to rise as he's on that field. It's very hard to DH every day. What he did last year was just remarkable. The power starting to show back up that that entire lineup changes when that guy starts swinging for the fences and it starts falling in the stands much more consistently because they don't know what to do because it balances them out. Michael McHenry, our guest here on Hot Mike with Hudden Withrow. What is an MLB trade deadline day like behind the scenes for players? Uh, we're a couple of weeks away from it, August 1st. Um, I, I'm, I'm guessing it can motivate a roster. It can also be a huge downer if the group thinks they're going to add a player and be a buyer and they end up being a seller. Well, first, it really depends on where you are as a team. If you're right in between, it is a weird day because you do not know what management's going to do. I, I was in that situation at 11. And all of a sudden we get Derek Lee, we get Ludwig, we get some really big names and we're like, man, we're, we're kind of far away, but man, they believe in us. So it kind of maybe give a, gave us a boost of some sort, even though we didn't play well, you could feel the change in the atmosphere, the change of the clubhouse. Like there was a huge belief. Now, if you're losing, you're just waiting and you're hoping your name's not called honestly, because it's, it's a weird feeling to every time see maybe your positional coach walk in and kind of make eye contact contact with you and you like, no, no, not now. I don't want to leave. I don't want to go. But that's the reality. You kind of have to look at it at all angles. I mean, we made seven moves yesterday and we're trying to figure some things out with the pirates. It's even worse moving up to that deadline because they're trying to figure out how to better their roster now and moving forward. It's a completely different animal than maybe even five, six years ago. Like most teams are trying to be buyers and sellers. So even if you're losing, you may be trying to be buyers. That's the reality because you're always trying to boost your team moving forward. So it's a wild ride. It goes till six o'clock Eastern, which is nuts because that's going to go right into the game. So all this news is going to be breaking maybe even as first pitch because it trickles in really slowly. So maybe seven o'clock before you hear the last trade. Final thing for you, final minute. Um, do you hate the Major League Baseball all-star unis as much as Chad and I do? <laughs> they kind of look like Smurfs. I mean, really. Like, what do, what do the a, guys say about it? It's how hot it is. And I think they're lucky in Seattle. Those things are so thick. Yeah. I, I think a lot of guys don't really appreciate that. Obviously, they're you know standing around a lot more than actually just going out and play. When you're playing, you don't really think about much. But when you're just hanging out, it becomes a lot. So I wish they'd go back to just wearing their normal unis. I, I think it's really cool. I get why they're doing it. But maybe they just change, like the Braves logo has the color on it or something like that. Like how they do for yeah. military day. Yeah. That'd be neat. It'd still be a chance to sell those jerseys. I know it's all about money and that's what they're looking for, but yeah, the space cadet uh, jerseys they had, I'm not a real big fan. Well, one of the best things about the all-star game is having players in their actual uniforms on the field. It's one of the greatest things about it in baseball. You can do that, that you can't in the other sports. Uh, I hated it. I hope they get back to just wearing their normal uniforms during the game. Always great having you on the show normally, Michael. And today was another normal day because it was great. Thank you so much. I appreciate it, and I'm looking forward to our picnic. Yeah, the picnic is definitely on deck. We're going to make that happen. The Fort 
Michael McHenry, the best analyst, does a terrific job with us. We got to get that picnic going, and we got to get rid of those All Star Game uniforms. No one cares about the split between the two now. American no, it doesn't matter anymore. It's a playoff construction, yes. much like in uh, the, the the NBA. It's you know East and West. It's the same as that. Does not matter. I tell you what does matter: some names in college football. My goodness. We're going to list some of them when we come back with Haley Karania. Key and Peel will be jealous. It will blow your mind. It feels like a Key and Peel <laughs> sketch. And let's be honest. It's unbelievable. We get to that next. This is Hot Mike with Hutton and Withrow. We're back. Hot Mike with Hutton and Withrow across the Outkick Network. Alongside Jonathan Hutton, I'm Chad Withrow. This uh, came out last night, I think, in a tweet uh, where Jim Weber posted some of college football's all-name team. The Sickos Committee. Sickos Committee posted the list. I think the, the tweet that I saw was his yeah. Well, he's a response. part of that podcast, I believe. Yeah, was the retweet of his, his favorites on the list. And uh, Hutton sends this to me. And I think this is incredible. Um, we agreed we needed to get Haley Karania in studio of Outkick. She is our resident pop culture correspondent to give us some of the best names on this list because Haley, quite frankly, I'm shocked that some of these names are, are real. I'm shocked at some of these na- names. They want to, like, I want to have child protective services on speed dial with some of these because they're all real, by the way. Quarterback from Oklahoma, General Booty. That, the coldest Crawford, not to be confused with Derealist Clark. Those are two different people. Two different people. Okay. Derealist Clark uh, from Defiance College in Ohio. I mean, if you're Derealist, then you have to go to Defiance. So that only makes sense. And I sense. believe that's a that Christian college, sense. I think, which is odd because it's Defiance College, but it's in the town of Defiance. I, I do think with some of these names, Haley, if you're the parent and you're at the hospital and you turn this name in, that, you know, just like if, if someone gets a report of something, you have to look into it. You know, you get a domestic violence call. The cops show up. They got to talk to people. Maybe someone has to go to jail regardless of what happened, right? I do think there should be a, a counseling session. There's got to be a where someone. are they now? Well, I you do, know, what I, were they thinking? Not a where are they these, now. What were they Some thinking? of these are nicknames. And, uh, so, it, and by the way, we knew immediately, Chad, that it was real because General Booty, the quarterback at o- Oklahoma, is – uh, on the first team list here through Jim uh, and Cavassier Smoke at Kentucky. I mean, this, uh, excuse me, at Colorado, this is a no brainer. Formerly of Kentucky. Of Kentucky, yes. Uh, Cavassier Smoke playing with Deion Sanders uh, makes a ton of sense. It's, but also, the, the Hutton, you, you hinted at this. When the name matches the position, that's my like favorite. Cavassier Smoke being a running back is great. It doesn't work as well if he's an offensive guard, right? Well, I think one of the names on the – and Haley confirmed for us. One of the names on this list is Pig Cage. Pig Cage. So Pig Cage, when we hear offensive that – Offensive back. That's where we think offensive guard. Got to be. For a name <laughs> Pig Cage, but he's a DB, so it doesn't fit as well. Also, when I hear Pig Cage – I think about that movie Nicolas Cage did <laughs> about pigs. Well, didn't he play in a, He was in a movie, I think, named Pig, I feel like. And I immediately thought, what? is Pig Cage in honor of the Nick Cage movie Pig? 
I know that he did something involving pigs in a, in, a, in film. I I know that for sure. I think the name of the movie was, in fact, Pig. Pig Cage is crazy, but Dude Person. <laughs> dude I think person takes the game. Is unbelievable. <laughs> uh, what what position is he? Dude Person is DB. He is a DB from Central Arkansas. See that that that's where Pig needs to be. Dude played. Person is <laughs> your parents are so out of name ideas that they're just oh it's uh, it's a boy we'll just call him Dude. And it'll be dude person, since the last name is person. Surely that's a nickname. I had right? a friend with a golden retriever named Boy because they kept, they got the puppy, come here, boy, come here, boy. And then it just stuck. They were it, like, oh, we'll call him Boy. Like, I feel like, <laughs> hey, dude. And then they just kept calling him dude forever. Now, I mean, some of these, it feels like they're made up. And this is the one that really jumped out to me. There's a guy named Mo Billity. M-O-H, ability, and he's in the transfer portal. I, I, so I, his ability he to move uh, is right there. He's, so the, he's the only is, one in the transfer it's portal. It's M-O-H, short for Muhammad. Okay. Uh, it, totally legit. He is in the transfer portal. I believe he played down in Texas initially. Tonka Hemingway from South Carolina. Is he a rider? There's a defensive lineman named Meatball Smith. <laughs> See, that, that's <laughs> it. Houston. That's got to be that's a perfect. nickname. That can't be real. <laughs> of course. Yeah, it's got to be. <laughs> that's got to be a nickname, too. This one is not a nickname, I don't think. I think someone actually named their child Demon. There's a Demon Clowney it's, that plays for Charlotte. So he is the, he is the cousin of Jadavian Clowney, and it is, uh, he goes by – his name is Damon, but they spell it Demon. Okay. D E M O N. Demond, Demond is is better. I just would have gone with Damon. You know, just put the A in there and just said, you know, let's just call him Damon. That also would have been nice. Charlotte really racked up on this team, Haley, because you've got Demon Clowney or Demond Clowney. <laughs> Demond, yeah. You've also got Comanche Francisco, and then Stone Handy. Stone <laughs> Handy. Comanche Franc- Francisco sounds like uh, an Anchorman character. Yeah. With yeah. Will Ferrell. We go live to our report in the field from Comanche Francisco. Yes. Here are two more that crack me up. Rowdy beers and also Rocky beers. Two separate people, which make me feel like, again, they were in the hospital staring down at a newborn. Like, babe, I named our son not after you, but after your favorite Barstool Sports podcast. Yeah. That's what it sounds like to me. Amazing. Hutton, you've done a lot of research on these names. Are these I I try to verify them. I don't know. Are these I don't know twin brothers, that. Rocky and, and Rowdy? So Beers? Rowdy's at Florida International, I believe. Yeah, Rocky's at Air Force. Okay. Rocky and Rowdy. Beers. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's, it's listed on Sounds here like as, my weekend plans. That's his name. Um, my, <laughs> Dad, I mean, this is. There's a punter named Maximilian von Marburg. <laughs> Sounds like uh, Dutch royalty that he punts, and he punts for Syracuse. You may be related to him. It could be. It could be the Von, Von Schmidt connection. The Von Schmidt. Ephesians Prysock, <laughs> Arizona. Again, it, this sounds like Key and Peel East West Shrine game. Servassier Dennis, I've heard of at Pitt. Wing Green <laughs> from Georgia Tech. See, we can go through and probably pretty quickly find like which one's nickname and which one's right. real. I think Wing is the actual first name. That's not a that's not a nickname. Wing Green, offensive lineman. Buck Coors. At Wyoming. Also, Buck Coors at Wyoming as a Wyoming Cowboy is perfect. Yep. Yeah, you're right. I mean, that, that is where the key and peel part of this really comes in. Is some of these feel so perfect they have to be a production of someone. Like Buck Coors attending Wyoming as a Cowboy. 
is too perfect. Chad, uh, Squirrel White also validates this list. He has made it as the second team wide receiver from Tennessee. He's a good player. Um, Aju Aju from USF, a wide receiver. Also another good one. Tiger Shanks in uh, <laughs> Las Vegas, I believe. That kind of works, too. Storm I Duck. I think of Joe Exotic a little bit. <laughs> oh, man. Tater Reed is one of my favorites, too. Another one that's great that it's an offensive lineman. Any food nickname, like Meatball, who's a defensive lineman, or Tater, who's an offensive lineman, you need to play on the line. Or Kool-Aid. You, you need to have your hand in the grass every play if your name is Tater or <laughs> Meatball, right? Kool-Aid McKinstry will be at uh, SEC Media Days tomorrow. Yeah, you're not relying on speed, right? When I hear the name, uh, <laughs> when I hear the name Parker Titsworth, I'm not sure what <laughs> position that player should play. Kicker, maybe. You're, well, yeah, you're saying he's, he's an offensive lineman. He sounds like someone that w would be in uh, at the library at Duke instead of uh, the. Let's see, is it the Duke defensive lineman that I saw on here? A linebacker, memorable factor. That's amazing. And memorable is the first name, and that's not a nickname. Got to be the actual first name. Uh, Haley, your thoughts on Storm Duck? <laughs> I mean, if your last name's Duck. I mean, okay, I have to give it to Parker Titsworth's family because <laughs> you're stuck with a bad last name, and it's like, okay, we'll just give him a normal first name. But with Storm Duck, I mean, you're stuck with Duck. I mean, why couldn't you just do, like, Chris Duck or something? I don't know. Storm Duck? It's Christopher crazy. Duck. We'd also like to get your reaction to Duck. San Diego State Aztec linebacker New Zealand Williams. I kind of like that one. I'm not going to lie. I like New Zealand. It's kind of like London as a name or Brooklyn as a name. I kind of I like it. I don't, I don't hate that one at all. I, I'm trying to think of what other countries would make a good first name if you just want to plug a country in. Georgia. Indonesia. It's a would state Indonesia and a Williams work also? Yes. Thailand? I kind of think it's cool. Thailand Smith? I'm kind of into that. Name coming soon? Saudi? Snoop. <laughs> Snoop. <laughs> uh, so uh, you and I debated this, Chad. Offensive lineman, line, and we, we know he's uh, uh, from the transfer portal and has signed with Auburn recently because they've replaced everyone on offense. Uh, do you believe it's Jaden Muskrat or is it Muscrat? <laughs> It's, it's got to be Muskrat. And it's if he be. dares, if he dares to try to correct someone and say Muskrat, <laughs> I am calling BS on him immediately. I'm going to say, son, don't church it up. We all know your name is Jaden Muskrat. This was like <laughs> me when I tried to convince girls in middle school my name was Chadwick and not Chad. I tried to make it cooler than it was. It is not Muskrat, but that would be hilarious if he tried to sell that. In all of our talk about the animal names, we forgot Panda. So, Out of Charlotte. It's so I, one. this was one I thought may be fake. Panda Askew. That is his nickname <laughs> because growing up, people thought he looked like Panda Sandoval. Oh, yeah. Uh, Pablo Sandoval. The, the, the panda. Yeah. Got it. That, that makes sense. But that's, I mean, that's listed yeah. uh, as in, in like quotations beside his first name. Hutton really went down the wormhole here with I these did the names. first team. He just started looking yeah, and I saying, the first right, team. I got to figure out what's behind And then behind mobility, I'm thinking, is this... Real it, like, is the transfer portal thing like the joke? Another one that seems like a joke. Mobility yeah. in the transfer. Octavius portal. Oxendine. We know he's at UK. Yep, mm -hmm. good player. Uh, Haley, uh, what would you do if you found a man that was named Fish? <laughs> First name Fish, not like Marty Fish, the professional <laughs> yeah. tennis yeah. player. He plays for Trent First Dilfer. First name Fish. 
I would, I mean, if I'm swiping on a dating app or something, I just gotta, I gotta send that one to the left and I just have to move on. I'm not gonna, I can't meet someone named Fish and fall in love. I'm not gonna let myself get to that point. What if you were on uh, a dating app and you saw the name Major Burns? That's kind of cool. Major's pretty cool. It's kind of Major cool. Applewhite. There's been some majors out there. He sounds there. like he's highly decorated, you know? <laughs> he Major might not Burns be, but... reporting for duty, man. <laughs> he <laughs> might He's going to seem but... fine, and then when he leaves, there's problems. Major Burns slides into DM saying, reporting for duty. <laughs> I'm here. Oh, terrific. Uh, uh, there's one name I'm here. I have no idea how to pronounce it. Javinsky Schlenbaker from Washington State. There's I think a that's few got... in there I need a, some, yeah. someone to pronounce for honorable for me. mention. Yeah. Haley, thank I, you so much I, for your contribution to Isaiah, Isaiah, Isaiah Bullerdick is also on here. Yeah, I don't even know if we can say that. I, I mean, it's, it's his a name. name. Yeah, you gotta you gotta say it. It's his name. Just say it all together. I guess the best way to do it. This one guy's name is Hot Rid, not Hot Rod. I wonder if that was a misspelling. Hot Rid Fitton from South Carolina. Your favorite one? Uh, my favorite one. Favorite name is Dude Person. I got to go Rowdy Beers. Not Rocky? No, I, I like Rowdy. Rowdy's better. Like Rowdy Burns from Days of Thunder. <laughs> Cavassier Smoke. That's a good one. That one's I cool. Mean, that one Cavassier cool. with a cigar. I mean, that's, that's unbelievable. Cavassier Smoke. And it, it, there's also, I mean, you've got to live up to the expectation if you're uh, named Cavassier Smoke and you're in the, if you're being recruited in the SEC and the rabid fan bases that are out there, because Kentucky wasn't the only SEC school to recruit him, you know on message boards he's going to the top of the list over guys that are probably have a better star ranking than him just because of his name alone. I feel like some of these names, um, and I'm with you. I think some of them they like jumped a recruiting star because of the name. A two star became a three star. A three star <laughs> became a four star. A four star became a five star just because recruiting outlets saw that name and said, "Yeah, this guy must ball." There's a clear, like, general booty would not have been highly sought after at quarterback if his name wasn't general booty. And that just elevated his status to another level. And then he gets to go to Oklahoma for that reason. And then, you know, who's not on here is Michael Penix Jr. But he's got to also prove some doubters based on another, the recruitment process. Another name you've got to say very slowly. Michael or, or very Penix fast. Jr. Michael Penix. Or very Jr. Or very fast. fast and hope that no one catches when you screw it up. Haley did not screw up this segment. Nope. Well done, Haley. Thank Appreciate you. Always you. a pleasure. Shout out to Jim uh, Weber as well for uh, supplying the list. Hutton, the at the end of let's do this. At the end of the season, let's go back and look at actual stats of these guys. Then we can really file it out by first and second team on actual play on the field. Chad, you don't like your first name. name. Would you like the name Stone Handy? Handy is the last name. Sounds painful. Um, <laughs> when we come back, we are going to talk about ESPN and who's to blame for their demise. Stephen A. Smith and Dan Levitard have different ideas on who is to blame. We'll discuss when we come back. This is Hot Mike with Hutton and Withrow. <laughs> 